Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and today on this episode, I have a wonderful guest for you, someone who is new to Vitality Radio, but a gentleman who I have known of uh, for quite some time, and I've uh, actually watched a few um, of his educational things that he's put out over the years, and I'm very excited to introduce him to you. But before that, I'll introduce our topic for the day. We're going to talk about the mitochondria and mitochondria health. Now, if you're like me, uh, through the years, you've heard a lot uh, of little bits and pieces pieces about what mitochondria is uh, or are, uh, and uh, you know maybe that they have something to do with the cells, that maybe they have something to do with energy and those types of things, but perhaps it seems like too big of a topic to really understand in any kind of depth or detail. This is an episode that I think will clear that up for you uh, to a large extent, and I'm really excited to bring it to you because we're almost 16 years now on Vitality Radio, and uh, this is a topic that I've touched on briefly as well, but never really gone in-depth. Today's episode is all about mitochondria, mitochondrial health, how to improve that, and how to live a more energetic life uh, because of that. I know that many of you and I know this for sure because when I'm at Vitality Nutrition and people are coming in asking me about, you know, what they can do to improve their health, one of the big complaints I hear time and time again is my energy is low. My brain's not kicking like it once did. I feel fatigued all the time. I'm relying on caffeine and things like that to keep myself awake. And if you fall into any of those categories, then this episode is definitely for you. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. I do want to remind you that if you have questions about anything you hear on the show, you can call Vitality Nutrition at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. You can also check us out online at vitalitynutrition.com, where we'll be happy to uh, chat with you there as well. And now, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest. His name is Gaetano Morello. Uh, he is a uh, really a fascinating individual. He is a naturopathic doctor, a published author. Recently, he's been appointed as a clinician at the newly created Complex Chronic Disease Program located at BC Women's Hospital in Vancouver. He is the first naturopathic doctor to hold such a position at a major North American hospital, which I'm so excited about. Dr. Morello, welcome for the first time to Vitality Radio. Well, it's good to be with you, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, mitochondria, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be with you. Yeah, this is going to be a great topic. Uh, first, if you don't mind, talk to us a little bit about this new uh, position at the Complex Chronic Disease Program. <laughs> it's uh, I've been here 10 years now, so it's kind Oh, of... <laughs> it's not new, so that's a little bit old in the bio. <laughs> the bio needs to be updated a little bit. That's that's not your fault, that's our fault. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been here for, for 10 years. So, so basically what we treat here is complex chronic diseases, uh, and these are diseases such as fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalomyelitis, 
uh, chronic Lyme. And now one of the additions to this complex disease program is long COVID. And, mm. and all these conditions have similarities in symptomology. So they have commonality of symptoms. And these symptoms are uh, fatigue, post-exertion malaise, which is, you know, a, an individual exerts themselves and then it would take them days to recover from that exertion. Uh, they all have cognitive dysfunction of FEMA in the, in the, in the uh, form of brain fog and, and, and uh, memory loss. They all have this thing we call uh, restless sleep. They, when they wake up, they're unrefreshed. So it's unrefreshing sleep. So they can sleep for 10 hours, but they wake up and they feel like they haven't slept at all. I hear um, that a lot. Yeah. They have gastrointestinal symptomology in the form of gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, your typical IBS symptoms. And the fibromyalgia patients will have pain associated with that. And even the ME patients will have pain. And then there's a whole bunch of individuality of symptoms such as restless leg syndrome, uh, interstitial cystitis, migraine headaches, et cetera, et cetera. So they have these... And these conditions they've had for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years uh, mm-hmm. with no real resolution. So the Ministry of Health here in this province, they set up this program where we have, you know, a, a, a group of physicians, uh, uh, counselors, uh, OTCs, nurses, physiotherapists, and we work with these patients. Uh, and I, I do the holistic approach where I treat mitochondria on two levels one i call upregulation, and two i call redox and we, we can definitely talk about that but uh you know the ethos of these conditions is mitochondria but there's a lot of other things that create the outcome of the mitochondria so i'm, I'm hoping to discuss that with you today well it's fascinating for sure and i think it's very cool that uh, there's a little more integration up there where you're at uh than we typically <laughs> see in uh, the hospital system so that's exciting so let's jump into this because I have a feeling that with your background and knowledge on this topic, we could probably fill a few shows uh, talking about <laughs> mitochondria. So we'll jump in here. The first, uh, the first question I think is really quite simple, and that is, you know, what is mitochondria? Yeah. So one of the best ways that I explain, my, you know, I just like to connect dots. So how do we connect the mitochondrial dot? So if we look at the most important element in life. You know, it's, it's not water and food because we can go out without water and food for days, sometimes even months. But what we can't go without, you and I, we have not drank any water. We haven't eaten since we started communicating. It's about, you know, eight, nine minutes now. Is air, is oxygen. And, and, and when we look at the consequential effects of a lack of oxygen, the best example that everybody can relate to in one way or another is stroke victims. That is a lack of blood flow or oxygen to a particular area of the brain. Mm -hmm. And when that individual gets that, they can become paralyzed. They can lose the ability to to walk, to talk. They can even die from it, which begs the question, what is oxygen doing that renders it so critically important to life? So if we follow oxygen, we breathe it in, goes into our lungs, inside their lungs, these little, little bubbles called alveoli, where there's an exchange of the oxygen with red blood cells. Inside the red blood cell is a protein called hemoglobin, within that is a magnet called iron. 
the oxygen binds to that metal, to that iron, and it's transported. If you look at the whole transport system of the body, the blood vessels, we have over 60,000 miles of capillaries, which is remarkable in itself. Yeah. Eventually, it reaches the cell. So when it goes into a glial cell brain, where does it go exactly? That oxygen goes inside that cell and goes to only one spot. That one spot is the mitochondria. In the mitochondria, it goes through a series of steps and produces the electricity of the body that is known as ATP, adenosine triphosphate. We'll call it electricity. The mitochondria, very much like a hydrodam, the water is the oxygen, the water falls down the hydrodam, turns the turbines, and produces the electricity that lights up our cities. That's why we have, we're able to communicate, we have this call, we can see each other. It's all because right. of electricity. Cyanide, which kills you instantly, blocks oxygen from going inside the mitochondria. Mm, okay. So these mitochondria are really, without them, nothing works. So you need them. And because without oxygen, we die instantly. So all oxygen does goes inside the mitochondria to produce energy. And one of the things that we, we, a lot of people don't know, because in biology class in high school, we used to see a cell with two mitochondria. But actually, most of these mitochondria have anywhere from 500 to a thousand. Each cell has anywhere from 500 to a thousand mitochondria. Mm. Each cell, 60% of the cell volume is mitochondria, which is remarkable in itself. And one of the most remarkable things of these mitochondria is that they have their own DNA. So as you know, a cell has a nucleus, which contains the DNA, the 23 pairs of chromosomes that come from your father and your mother. Well, guess what? The mitochondria has its own DNA and it's circular. And here's an, an, another interesting twist. The mitochondria is only inherited from our mothers, not our fathers. So wow. it's it's a, mater, a maternal inheritance. Not only that, but there's two things that are critical to life. Mitochondria and your microbiome. I'm sure you've had lots of lectures on those. Oh, yeah. and, the micro, and the microbiome is also inherited from our mothers. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's a lot of links here that we can talk about as we progress, but that's kind of the mitochondria, very, very unique and critical elements. And if you think about factories, factories require electricity to function. If they don't have electricity, they can't function. Every cell in your body, every single cell requires electricity to function. So if you have compromised mitochondrial energy production, nothing is going to work optimally. So this should be at the ethos of everything that we do, every condition has to be related to mitochondrial function. And it is. Yeah, that's fascinating. And really, uh, you definitely shed a little light on a couple of things there for me. I'm extremely fascinated by the whole uh, maternal uh, contribution there. That's really, really interesting. So, yeah, that brought up a bunch of questions. But the next one I want to ask that I think um, maybe uh, is, is on the minds of some of the people listening right now is there a difference, because you mentioned, you know, the volume of mitochondria in a cell. Is there a difference in the amount of mitochondria, say, in a muscle cell versus a heart cell versus a brain cell and so on? Yeah, there is. You know, the start point, we can go back to our mothers. The female oocyte has over 100,000 mitochondria per cell, which is un- un- hard, hard to believe. Uh, the more energy a cell requires the more mitochondria in that cell. 
uh, which okay. makes sense. So yes, there is a variability. Uh, you know, your brain needs tons of energy. Uh, so that would have more close to a thousand. The heart is another one that has anywhere from 500 to a thousand. The muscles have less, but you know, again, 300, 400 mitochondria. So there is variability from cell to cell, depending on the amount of electricity or energy that those particular cells require. And as you know, the only real link we have to aging is mitochondrial death or the slow reduction of the amount of mitochondria in each cell and their ability to produce energy. So okay. there's, this is a huge anti-aging area as well, right? Yeah, and that actually leads me to the next question I was going to ask, because when we think about health generally, one of the things that seems to be a pretty clear through line is the reduction of production of certain things as we age. We produce less of many different types of hormones. Uh, one of the things that I've been talking about a little bit more recently is stem cells. Stem cell production goes way down as we age. So many, Even things like stomach acid uh, tend to go down as we age. So there's all these different things that start to shift downward. Uh, is mitochondria behind? The, the, is a reduction in mitochondria behind many of these other reductions? Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's behind that because, again, Anything that you're making, hormones, neurotransmitters, what does it require? It requires energy, electricity to make those things. Without the electricity, you can't make anything. So you need that energy. So if that energy is missing, you, you can't make it. So this is what, you know, these fibromyalgic uh, uh, patients, these uh, chronic fatigue patients, this is what they all have in deficit. And this is why they have so many symptoms and new symptoms and they age quicker you know, they, they have fatigue issues, they have hormone issues, all sorts of things, a conglomerate, even, even a lot of the neurological conditions, mitochondria, it's, it's related to everything. So as you reduce the amount of mitochondria, as the redox potential, and we'll talk about that because that's a big area, diminishes or is offset, the ability of those mitochondria to produce energy decreases significantly. And so we'll talk about, we'll definitely get into that. The redox is big as, as is, and I can show you, I can demonstrate logically, observationally, and with some background, some clinical background, some scientific background, why stress can accelerate the dysfunctionality of mitochondria. All right. That's uh, going to be fascinating, too, and, and interesting how this conversation, and of course, you haven't uh, listened to my last several podcasts and some of the ones I have coming up, but this ties in beautifully with a lot of what I've been talking about lately, and uh, I think it's going to connect some dots for sure. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the, uh, well, first, well, you can pick the order, but let's talk about either how stress impacts mitochondria or what we're talking about with the redox p potential. Well, we could definitely start, you know, usually I start with upregulation, but let's start with redox potential. Okay, okay. so um, so think about this. So, so and this is a caveat that I created, so it's my caveat. <laughs> you can't find it in books. <laughs> All right. So let's start with, with that. So my caveat is this. So what is redox exactly? So it stands for reduction oxidation. What is mm -hmm. oxidation? You take an apple, you slice it in half, the apple rusts, it browns. Why? Because it's reacting with the oxygen. That browning or that rusting we call oxidation, correct? 
So you take another apple, you slice it in half, you squeeze the lemon juice on it, and guess what? It doesn't rust. Why? Because the lemon juice is acting as an anti-rust agent or more commonly called an antioxidant, an antioxidation ingredient. Mm -hmm. And what is an antioxidant exactly? An antioxidant is an electron donor. It gives electrons. That's all antioxidants are. All the antioxidants that exist are all electron donors. The more electrons something can get, the more powerful an antioxidant it is. That's it. So, okay. having known that visual, now let's take that to the mitochondria. So here's my caveat that you can't find in books because they will tell you that it does oxidize. In my book, the mitochondria cannot, under any circumstances, rust. If it rusts, it dies. If it dies, we die. That's it. That's my caveat. So we have to follow that caveat. So okay. how does the mitochondria not rust? The mitochondria has two lemons. One of them is called glutathione, and the other one is called SOD, superoxide dismutase. Now, instead of remembering those, to simplify things, let's do this. Let's imagine that the reason why a mitochondria does not rust is because it contains 100 lemons. Each mitochondria contains 100 lemons. So if a mitochondria in one of your cells, there's a thousand mitochondria, there's going to be like a million lemons in there mm -hmm. <laughs> spread out through all these mitochondria. Mm -hmm. So that's why it doesn't rust. Okay, got it. Now we got, we got to figure it out. Okay, now what happens if a viral infection comes into the body or you have tremendous amount of sympathetic tone stress? So when stress comes in, when the zebra confronts the lion, the zebra is going to either fight or run away from the lion. That's what we call it, the, the flight or fight response. And the zebra is going to run away. And in preparation for that running away, the zebra's limbs will fill with blood. Mm -hmm. That blood is coming from the core. What separates everything inside your gut from entering your bloodstream is one cell. I call it the one cell paradox. Because that one cell lining has to be permeable enough to allow nutrients to get inside the blood. At the same time, strong enough to block bacteria from getting inside the blood and killing you from septicemia. So it is a paradox. When this lining loses blood because the zebra is running away, we know for a fact, already measured, this lining is going to increase its permeability. There's going to be more translocation from inside the gut into the bloodstream. And the compounds that translocate are called DAMPs and PAMPs. PAMPs stand for pathogen-associated molecular patterns, which are bacterial cell walls, and DAMPs stands for damaged molecular patterns, which are cell debris, mitochondrial debris that gets inside the blood. And what they do now, they attack these 100 lemons. Now, instead of having 100 lemons, what happens if we're down to 50 lemons? Mm -hmm. We've just gone down. From 100, we've down, we're down to 50. What happens now? Well, you're going to say it's going to rust. What did I say? It cannot rust because the mitochondria has lost 50% of its, its potential to stop rusting. So now it's going to rust. But what did I say? It cannot under any circumstances rust because if it rusts, it dies. If it dies, we die. So what's, how's the mitochondria going to adapt to that reality? It's going to reduce the uptake of oxygen by 50% and reduce the output of energy by 50%. You have lost 50% of your cell's ability to produce energy because you've got this redox deficit. 
created by free radicals, basically. So the more free radicals you put into your bodies, the more stress you have in your bodies, the more this becomes an issue. And the only way I can explain it is with my definition. And now you've got a problem. And so this is how, with the passage of time, we have less and less energy. We get more and more fatigued because that redox potential is, is really getting hammered heavily. The more you smoke, the more you're going to get that. The more toxins come into your body, the more. And this is, you know, which, which kind of there brings back memories of, you know, our parents telling us to eat fruits and vegetables because mm -hmm. they have a lot of antioxidants. You know, you're back to this antioxidant thing again, right? So, so here you go. Anyways, so that's a descriptive of stress and how stress causes the damage that it causes. Is This is how it causes the damage from my perspective. I love that example, and it makes a lot of sense. So then to clarify for anybody who might still be um, a little bit confused about this, when we talk about stress, I think the initial thing most people think of with stress is, you know, kind of life stress, right? Uh, what's the, a bad day at the job, uh, a relationship issue, something going on with their kids, somebody's sick, somebody's lost a job, you know, those types of stressors. But when you say stress regarding mitochondria, I would anticipate that you mean all types of stress, toxins, uh, you know, poor diet, uh, lack of sleep, not enough um, exercise, all the different things that create stress on the body, or even the stress of exercise, if we're not cautious about that as well. Am I accurate on that? Yes, all those. So, so all okay. those. one of the big ones is is really when the gut opens up, because think about it, the entry point to your body is your gastrointestinal tract. Right. That's your entry point. That is the biggest entry point you have. That's why your immune system is located there. 80% of your immune system is in your gut. Why is it there? Because if you were to guard your house from burglars, you put them at the front door and the back door, the entry points, that's your main entry point. And so that's where a lot of the stuff is coming in. So if you open that space, the gut, is an external system. It's not internal. It's external. Internal is when it crosses, it gets into the blood. That's internal. So when you open those spaces and you have this, in, this incredible antigen trafficking, this movement of these particles inside your bloodstream, those things can cause a lot of damage. This is autoimmune disease. I mean, you can go, the list can go on and on. I'm trying to bring it down to a simplification as much as I can so you can see the impact those things have on your mitochondria. So these things are getting bombarded by everything. Think about it. They have their own DNA to try to protect themselves into all sorts of, also all sorts of, I mean, these things are very, very intricate. And, you know, I, I think we've never given enough due justice to them because there's really no drugs for them. <laughs> so it's only what we do from a nutraceutical perspective that can, that can create some, some benefits. Well, and that was going to be one of my questions because you are in an interesting position there at the hospital where you're, you know, the kind of the integrative guy, uh, it sounds like on staff looking at the holistic side of things. But we don't, well, I think one of the reasons that people are undereducated on mitochondria is it really isn't something that's 
that is addressed in a typical doctor's visit um, when somebody somebody goes in with an autoimmune condition or some of these other complex syndromes that you're talking about, maybe a neurological condition. My father dealt with Parkinson's for 10 years, uh, where mitochondria is absolutely impacted uh, and, and perhaps, you know, at the root of a disease like that. But we don't look at that too much in uh, modern medicine, Western medicine, as we're often looking from symptom down as opposed to root cause up. And so I think that may be one of the biggest issues with education on this topic is, well, there isn't a drug for it. There's not a surgery for it. So what do we do about it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you brought up Parkinson's. Uh, You know, uh, you've probably seen the videos, uh, Dr. Perlmutter out of Miami. Mm-hmm. where the patients go in and they're trembling, right? And so what yeah. is it? You know, because they don't, they don't have a lot of these. They've lost a lot of those. Right. And all of a sudden he goes in, he does IV glutathione, and within an hour, the, the trembling, the tremors stop. Right. Uh, but you know, oh, is that the cure? No, because it's only going to last half an hour. <laughs> right. Because glutathione's not going to last. But, but it gives you a peak. What happens when you kind of restore temporarily this issue? So how do we restore this issue long term? That's the, the that's the trick, and so these are some of the things I bring here to try to, you know, increase yeah, increase those levels. See, one of the things I, I tell patients: we have symptomology down here is created by a whole bunch of systems up here that impact the individual here. So these systems include your genetics, your environment which impacts your genetics, right? So the environment impacts the genetics. It's called the epigenome. The immune system up here, the microbiome over here, and the one cell lining in your gut over here, those systems impact the individual which creates the symptomology. And by looking at those systems, our job or our goal is to see which of these systems we can impact to improve the symptomology down here. And so those are the systems that I, I can have I, I can I can access. So I can I can alter the environment because the environment can alter everything, right? So I don't know if you know one of the things I uh, <laughs> I show a picture of two guys. One guy's six foot one large frame, the other guy's five foot eleven medium frame. Uh, you know uh, uh, scientific views of these two two characters, uh, and they have different diseases. But here, here's the here's the here's the take on them. And this was they had a, a big article on this in 2006 November issue, Discover magazine. Anyways, those two guys, they're identical twins. Their DNA is exactly the same, yet they look completely different because they were separated at birth and they grew up in two different environments. The environment, the foods they consume, the water they drink, the microbiome, the 3 million genes of the microbiome were different. That differential changed the way their DNA behaved. So DNA is not a destiny. The environment predicates what that DNA is going to be expressed as. So it's it's important. So all those things are so important. And, and as you know, and I'm sure you spent a lot of time on this, this microbiome thing is becoming a big, big play here as well. Um, again, and one of the things that we've learned is that the microbiome or the bacteria of the gut create compounds that communicate with the mitochondria. 
And as you've heard, there is a theory or a concept that the mitochondria actually came from bacteria. And if you look at them, they're very, very similar. They have very, there's a lot of similarities between the two. So there's a lot of things here to observe, visualize, and then from this knowledge, we can impart or we can recommend certain things that we see outcomes with. So I've, one of my, my, the biggest thing I tell my patients, the doctor who thinks they know it all knows nothing. So I've always been open-minded to listening to my patients and learning from them, their experiences. And those experiences are important to me because it gives me a better understanding. For example, when my patients tell me, 10,000 complex disease patients tell me that when their stress level goes up, their symptoms get worse. Well, it tells me something. It gives me a lot of information that I can utilize. And so then we can utilize all that information plus science, plus clinical studies. And then we make recommendations to improve the functionality of of these patients. And so, you know, that's, that's my passion. And I've had that passion. You know, as you can see, I'm still excited after 30 years of doing this. (laughs) (laughs) It hasn't changed much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I love it. And it's, it's such a, um, incredible area of focus and study. I can see how, because I've spent a tremendous amount of time studying microbiome and trying to understand how that works. And there is no true understanding of that, right? I mean, you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and learning more and more. And it has to be the same with mitochondria. It's just a fascinating topic that's incredibly deep. Well, you're going to like this. Uh, So uh, um, I was in at the fibromyalgia conference in, in uh, Vienna, Austria, uh, in March. And Dr. Minerbi, uh, he works out of Israel, uh, but I know Complex Israel's in right now, and uh, and also McGill University out of Montreal. And so he's been studying the microbiome. So he's been analyzing bacteria of patients with fibromyalgia with chronic fatigue. And he did find that there is a difference. They have bacteria that other patients don't have, other people don't have. And so one of the things, and this is the individual that did the original, remember those studies on the mice, uh, the germ-free mice that they took obese, they took obese mice, they took their microbiomes into trend, mm-hmm. they trans, yeah, you know, that he did all that work as well. Okay. Anyway, okay. so so he was doing work with, with uh, fibromyalgic patients. So he took 160 fibromyalgic women and here in Vancouver, uh, uh, Vancouver General Hospital does fecal transplants for C. difficile. It's 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 done all, and it's one hundred percent successful. Anyways, so he took healthy subjects. He took their microbiomes under anaerobic conditions. In other words, no oxygen around. Mm-hmm. He isolated those bacteria and he encapsulated those bacteria, and he fed those bacteria orally to these fibromyalgia patients, and within six months, they had severe reductions in their symptoms, massive reduction in their symptoms. Hmm. So just altering the microbiomes had this incredible impact on the fatigue, the post-exertion malaise, the sleepiness, all these things by this microbiome. And, you know, because I know you said you've done a lot of stuff on the microbiome, and I think you have done a lot, I can tell, because you said 
you're just scratching the surface and it's completely <laughs> true. So that means you know what you're talking about. Anybody who talks like that knows their stuff, right? Uh, because well, it's, it's, it's like we know nothing. We know we're at the, top, the tip of the iceberg. I got a big smile when you said the doctor who knows everything knows nothing. I tell people that all the time because, yeah, as soon as you think you know it all, you're, <laughs> you're you in trouble. Even started yet. Yeah. <laughs> and this stuff is it's so dynamic and, and there's just so much to it. So let's quickly, because we are going to run out of time. If we're not careful. I've got so many questions I want to ask you. But microbiome, um, you talked about uh, early on, you talked about during fight or flight, the, um, you know, basically the opening that that provides uh, to allow things into the body that otherwise wouldn't be allowed to get there. So that sounds like leaky gut. Are we talking about the yeah. same thing? Yeah, leaky gut, exactly. Okay. 100% right. leaky gut. And so you, you want to stop that leakiness. I mean, that's one. So again, here, here's, remember those all those systems? Well, not one of them is the one cell lining. That's, if you think about that one cell lining, it's pretty mind-boggling, right? How can you have one cell separating all that gunk from coming inside? I mean, it should be more thicker than that. Right, right. <laughs> What's going on? And if you look at those in between those cells, there's like a hundred proteins holding those things together. It's bizarre. Like it's it's hard to believe. Uh, so so you know that that's unbelievable. And so when this thing breaks down, you got a lot of problems because now you're going to get things coming in. Your immune system is going to react to them, and there's your autoimmune disease, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we close those up? You know, what do we do to reduce the leakiness of the gut? How can we improve that? Is it just about the microbiome? What, what, what's that all about? So those are those are really important questions um, that, you know, people want answers to. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, stress plays a major role in that across the board. Um, and chronic stress, which equals also chronic inflammation, and gut inflammation, which then influences. Here, Jerry, I'm going to give well. you. I'm going to give you another one. I'm going to give you. You know, like my thing is creating dots and making people see things differently. Yeah. So one of the ways that I talk about leaky gut or gut permeability issues, I say, okay, let's look at a house with a roof on it. Mm -hmm. The roof is the lining of the gut, and inside the house is your body. The leather sofa is your skin. The hinges on the doors is your joints. The TV set is your brain. The furnace is your lungs, just to name some, some parts. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. I can't go to the other parts, but yeah, that's enough parts. So if you have holes on the roof and the water falls on the sofa, it creates mold. That's like getting eczema and psoriasis. If the water okay. falls on the hinges on the doors, that's creating rust. That's arthritis. If it falls in the furnace, the furnace is not going to work. That's like asthma. And it falls on the TV set, you're going to get cognitive dysfunction. That's exactly what happens gut-wise. Because what happens is, for arthritis, you have compounds that translocate, go inside the blood. The blood looks at those compounds and goes, what the heck is this? They create an antibody. Those antibodies, they attack your joints. Same thing. Right. So what we've been doing from a medical perspective is we've been looking down and we've been, you know, pulling the, going to the sofa and scraping the mold off the sofa. We've been uh, sanding down the hinges on the doors and putting some oil on them. And guess what? Before too long, the water's going to fall back on there, rust again, create more damage again. We've never looked up and seen, hey, it's the roof that's got the holes in it. That's where we're getting all these problems. So we have not done that, and that's what we need to do. We need to see what is the ethos 
of these issues. And when we see those, then we can resolve problems. Yeah, we seem to try to put buckets under the holes as opposed to fixing the holes themselves, right? So then let's talk about this. Go back to the mitochondria, though, and this the, the lemon analogy that you brought up. You talked about SOD, which is superoxide dismutase, glutathione. I think a lot of people aren't so familiar with SOD, but glutathione's kind of in the public consciousness now. These are both powerful antioxidants. Um, with, my question is, you talked about the mitochondria not rusting, but being essentially depleted. So now we, instead of 100, we have 50, to go back to your analogy. Can we get back to 100? Yeah, we, well, we can get close. <laughs> so, okay. uh, so so that's the idea behind, you know, creating, uh, you know, utilizing products here. So, you know, I use the acetyl L-carnitine. I use the coenzyme Q10 or the ubiquinol. Uh, I'll use the SOD, the, the glutathione. So we're giving these compounds at these high amount, these volumes to these patients, and we're seeing outcomes with them. So this is one formulation to reduce, uh, to increase the amount of lemons in the mitochondria and to also feed the mitochondria because the mitochondria needs food substances it's called upregulation. You know, when you look at the mitochondria, it has five turbines. Two of the turbines require uh, ubiquinol or ubiquinol or coenzyme Q10. It requires those, their antioxidants. Remember, the body makes ubiquinol, makes coenzyme Q10, and the way that it makes it is through the cholesterol pathway. So you have mevalonate becomes cholesterol, but it also becomes ubiquinol or coenzyme Q10. When mm -hmm. you take a statin, it blocks that. That's why you get muscle issues with statins because it's blocking the production of this compound that's ubiquitous in all the cells of the body. So supplementing is, is, is a, and this is why this formulation was put together or this combination of these ingredients that we know can support mitochondrial function. So that's one, one thing that you take. Something I tell everybody to take everybody is 25 grams of protein in the morning. I tell it to everybody. All my patients are on 25 grams of protein in the morning. It's it's a hit. It works every single time. So you, not every single time, but with my complex disease patients, I have an 80% success rate uh, with uh, protein in the morning. Uh, magnesium is another one that I push heavily, 300 milligrams in the morning and 300 milligrams at night. So those, those two components plus the combination of these nutrients that are both upregulators and act as antioxidants. <clears throat> These are important items to, to, to take and imagine if it can help a chronic fatigue patient, what's it going to do to a patient that doesn't have chronic fatigue? You should really boost their, their energy levels. And we should all be focusing on <clears throat> these mitochondria. Uh, I think we should all be trying to protect the mitochondria we should all be trying to get as many electrons into our bodies as possible as a form of antioxidants. You can never get enough of them. So, you know, one of the things I, I tell patients is, hey, have you ever walked the beach? How do you feel when you're walking the beach? Oh, I feel really good. Do you ever, I wonder why you feel so good? Even when you're walking along the beach in the water, why? Because the greatest donor of electrons is Mother Earth, mm -hmm. the Earth. That's why a tree can go to 200 feet not because of the water, it's because of the electrons that come up and form the atoms. It's all about electrons. And the earth is giving you these electrons as well. So there's another way of getting electrons as, as well. So you have to look at all these different uh, components. And one of the things that I, I don't know if you use this, but there's a product uh, that Factors makes called Pharmagaba. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, now, not all GABAs are created equal, but PharmaGABA is unique, uh, and it down-regulates that sympathetic tone. It upregulates parasympathetic response. 200 milligrams is very, very effective. It's, it's one of my compounds that I use as a hit to reduce the sympathetic tone. And by reducing sympathetic tone, it's really important. And I'm going <laughs> to, because we're running out of time, so I'm going to throw lots of things at you. One of the other things that you might be surprised with, maybe you are, maybe you wouldn't, um, there's a compound that one of my patients brought to me 13 years ago called PEA, palmitophenolamide. Yeah. And uh, PEA, uh, they were using it for, um, for for pain. And, you know, again, as a because the doctor thinks he knows, he knows nothing, when she brought it to me, she said, what do you think? I said, I, I don't know what to think because I've never seen the product before in my life. So, but, but why don't I do some investigation and some research and I'll, I'll give you my opinion once I do it. And I found that there was quite a few studies on it with pain. And one of the interesting things was that we use something here called low-dose naltrexone, LPN yeah. therapy. And we found that PA can help, can help it work better. And as you probably know, PA is, a, is part of the endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. And it has anti-inflammatory properties. It has all sorts of properties. But one of the properties that very few people knew that it had, I didn't know it had this, was uh, a study that came out about five years ago where they induced gut permeability in, in, in subjects. And then they gave them a placebo. They gave them 600 milligrams of CBD oil. And another group, they gave them 600 milligrams of PEA. And they found that the PEA group had about a 70% reduction in gut permeability when they took it. So that is very significant. So that's a first, one of the first items that I've seen reduce gut permeability uh, of, any, of any products on the market. I haven't seen that happen before. And, Dramatically you know, too. Yeah, that's that's like hard to believe. It was hard to believe. Yeah. And it's, it's a... It's it's a it's a real study published, um, and you know, six hundred milligrams of CBD would cost you a fortune. But <laughs> six hundred oh, yeah, milligrams yeah, yeah. of of, of, uh, of uh, uh, a PA is not going to cost you a fortune. So so again, what this is telling me, or just showing me that by bringing down the gut permeability, was this the, one of the mechanisms where it was creating pain reduction? Uh, That's um, an interesting question. Yeah, yeah, it's, so, it's an interesting question. On the PEA um, with leaky gut in that study, how long a period was the study that brought down the, the permeability by seven? They, they did it in four weeks, uh, and and, wow. and and and, the, and yeah, and and, and the the, uh, the thing was coming right down the, the permeability, so which which is really cool, right? That's <laughs> in, that's incredibly impressive. I, I thought it was it was really impressive. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I knew you'd like that. <laughs> so, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read up on that because I'm already, I'm already a big fan of PEA, but that's one that has escaped me. Yeah, that's yeah, very yeah, interesting. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit to some of these supplements that you've mentioned, because I know the question on everybody's mind at this point is, okay, so now I understand what mitochondria is. I understand why it's so important. I understand that apparently I can uh, bring some of that energy back. Uh, you know, how do I do it? So the 25 grams of protein, um, are you recommending that as food or as a supplement or do you care? I, well, I just think a supplement's just easier, right? I mean, it's just a way easier way of doing it uh, uh, with time scout. because I mean, it takes four eggs to get 24 grams. Right. So, you know, how else are you going to get it? So I think supplementing is the best way to do it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I take my bullet in the morning, put half, half uh, a cup of water, uh, two tablespoons of, uh, of frozen berries, and then my two scoops of 
I use the real easy protein, uh, you know, with this SPGX in it, blend it and drink it. It's awesome. And my kids even like it. They love the flavor of it. And I like flavor right. too. So uh, I would uh, highly recommend a protein supplement. Okay. And then on the ubiquinol, uh, you talked a, a little bit about that. <clears throat> How do you recommend supplementing that specifically? Or or were you talking about the Regener Life? Yeah, the Regener Life. has a combination of things. Yeah, it has all the combination. We even have athletes taking it now. Uh, but that, that's, that's, that has everything in it. If you're going to take it by itself, it's about 300 milligrams in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what you would take. Uh, and it, it's not going to take, it's going to take three to seven days for you to feel it. It's not, it doesn't take long for the stuff to kick in. So you should feel uh, an energy boost. It's not an energy boost per se. It's just a well, feeling of well-being. It's not like caffeine that gives you that, right. that, that lift. This is very different. Um, so you'll, you'll feel different uh, with, with a product like this. Something that, you know, we, we need to do on a daily basis. I, I do this daily. All right. And with the Regener Life supplement, now there's a couple of things that I think are kind of interesting because I've actually actually currently used the Regener Life. I love the acetyl L-carnitine that's in there, uh, you know, the CoQ10. And the acetyl L-carnitine, what it does, it carries fat inside the mitochondria to be utilized as energy. You know, a duck can travel 2,000 miles without ever landing. How does it do that? It uses its fat for energy. That's how it creates its energy. And so the way that that those essential fats get inside the mitochondria through this carrier called acetyl L-carnitine. And the advantage of the acetyl versus the L-carnitine is that the acetyl L-carnitine will cross the blood-brain barrier. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 this is the advantage. Yeah, and I, I have... That's actually a, a supplement I need to talk about probably more on Vitality Radio. I'm a huge believer in acetyl L-carnitine. So then the rest of the formula, you've got the Elevate uh, ATP, I think it's called, in there. Um, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, this Elevate ATP is a, uh, is a, is a compound that there was a, a couple of studies done with it where they showed that it in, enhanced ATP production uh, from a mitochondrial basis, which was interesting. And basically it's, it's the antioxidant uh, that, that's doing it. It's, it's the, it's the SOD. Uh, the superoxide dismutase it's adding more lemons when you add more lemons you're going to create more atp so you so here's another one for you that you that you, you won't believe this one maybe you will maybe you already know this do you know how much the average person produces in atp uh you know this was something i didn't realize uh, i, I yeah, picked I it up seven years ago okay so i weigh you weigh what 185 190 200 yep, yep. About 185, okay. yeah. Okay, I'm about 195, 190, 185. So I produce, you produce, we each produce about 190 pounds of ATP every day. That's hard wow. to believe. I know, I, I, I knew it. <laughs> that is hard to believe. Dude, I mean, that's like, no way. We produce that much, 100%. So you're using it. Imagine how much work these things are doing. And imagine that you need that much to maintain functionality. So as that lowers, you can get into a lot of trouble. And so no yeah. wonder the body starts to, everything starts to go down. Nothing starts to work normally. The heart doesn't function. So if we keep these mitochondria optimally functioning, does this increase health? Does it increase longevity? I'm going to give you another one. I know we're running out of time. I'm going to give you something else. You're going to, so you can go look at this. So they took a cancer cell and they took a normal cell. 
Here's a cancer cell normal cell. They took the DNA of this cancer cell and they transplanted it into a normal cell. This normal cell did not develop cancer. They took the DNA of the mitochondria cancer cell. They transplanted it to this cell and this normal cell developed cancer. Wow. When we look at mitochondria, mitochondria, their DNA does not only produce energy, but their DNA also produces catalases. So what happens when, if the mitochondria is optimally healthy and it sees that a cell has cancer, it would release the catalases and kill the cells, but cancer doesn't spread. So is cancer really originate with a mitochondrial deficit, with a mitochondrial issue? Because of free radicals, because of whatever, yeah, uh, I think there's there's something there uh, for for sure. So, and, and again, another reason why we want to keep these mitochondrial mitochondria optimally healthy, really, really uh, an important consideration. <laughs> you see, we could talk about this stuff for another two hours. Oh, easily, <laughs> it's, easily, it's, yeah. It's dude, so it can be <laughs> can just keep going, man. Like we, you're creating. We, we scratched the surface. We just yeah. like the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's just like it's, it's, it's nonstop. I mean, there's just so we haven't even touched it. <laughs> I've jotted down a whole bunch of questions I want to ask, and we have like five minutes left. So uh, let me ask you this, uh, too, because uh, you mentioned magnesium. I have I've talked plenty about magnesium on Vitality Radio. My listeners are very aware of the need for that. Uh, B complex. Uh, we have a stress component. Is there a specific mitochondrial component to vitamin B? That vitamin B complex, and why does that matter? Yeah, well, the, the B vitamins are, as you know, uh, uh, they're involved in almost every energy cycle. So, right. uh, they're they're important. I mean, the Krebs cycle needs them. The mitochondria need them. They're needed everywhere. So, I always recommend a B-complex vitamin for patients. Uh, and I tell them, take the B-complex vitamin, make sure you take it with your food at lunchtime. Uh, don't worry about your urine going yellow. That means that the kidneys are functioning uh, very normally um, because you're, you're, you're excreting the riboflavin. Mm-hmm. And you may have a lack of some of these B vitamins. So take them. Then then there's, then go, yeah, but my doctor, we, we did a blood test and we saw high levels of b Comp B B twelve in 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 my blood. Well, that's probably because you're not methylating properly. So why don't you take a, a an active uh, B, right. B, B complex, uh, and, and that's how you you solve that issue, and that solves that, and because that be, can be causing a lot of problems as well. So B vitamins are really really important for energy production. Uh, they're well documented. So yes, that's where the B vitamins come in. Excellent. And we and, and for you listening, we will um, definitely link to uh, some of these specific uh, products that we're talking about so that you don't have to uh, remember, you know, the exact names, that kind of thing. But the B-complex, the magnesium, uh, the GABA, all of those are going to play a major role in uh, in combating stress, which is, as you've said, kind of the root cause of a lot of these issues. And they're also going to play a, a role in proper production of uh, what is needed to keep the mitochondria healthy. So then in the few minutes that we have left, um, f- what what other tips, I guess, can you offer my listeners in terms of uh, things that they can do, whether it be lifestyle uh, related or supplement or diet related to optimize mitochondrial function? I think one of the things that we need to do, uh, you know, is the... If you look at cells, 
if you look at the membrane of cells, so everything, that communication of that cell to communicate with some another cell is all in the membrane. So, you know, when you release estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, mm -hmm. the way that those hormones or those transmitters work is they bind outside of that cell and that cell membrane and that transmits the information. So that cell membrane is very, very important. And that cell membrane is made out of fat. The fat you consume will create that cell membrane. Remember, your body is being turned over all the time. My nose in three months will be a different nose. My right. red blood cells will be different red blood cells. So they're dying, new ones are being made. And they're being made with fats. So an example I want to give you is Super Size Me, the, the video where the healthy individual was got, went on McDonald's every single day, lunch, breakfast, yeah. and dinner. And they had to stop the experiment after two months because he was nearly dead. And, and what was happening with him was not because there was a, these other nutrients. It was because the fats were trans fats and they were making his new cells. And those cells are very rigid. And when the mm. cells are rigid, they can't communicate. They can't function normally. So one of the things where I'm getting at is omega-3 oils become an important component in health. Yeah. So this is something that I think, you know, there's ton, there's 20,000 studies on omega-3s. So this is something that everybody should be considering and everybody should be taking to supplement their diet. Unless you are you're reducing the amount of arachidonic acid in your body, you're reducing a lot of these trans fats. If you're doing that, that's great. But if you're not doing that, start, think about taking omega-3 oils. We've come a long way with omega-3s. We have a lot of clean omega-3s. And they're important yes. to take in your, in your diet. So I think that's something that I would recommend to you as well. Excellent. Well, I wish I could take you for that next next couple of hours. Maybe I can uh, beg some more time off you down the road. But uh, you have been a wealth of information on a topic that I think absolutely is critical to optimal health. I appreciate your time and your insight and knowledge so very much. Thank you for joining me today. Well, then, uh, anytime, Jared. It's been it's been great. Uh, and remember, the person who thinks he knows it all knows nothing, and you're you you got it, dude. You've got it <laughs> down pat. That's why you're so smart. <laughs> uh, well, ever learning, ever learning. Mm. Do the best hey. that we can. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again so much. You're welcome. Man, I loved that interview. What did you think? I think uh, Dr. Morello is just fascinating. I was He blew my mind at least three times during that show. Really, really enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. Uh, he had to run uh, to a patient. We had a bit of technical difficulty during that, but it went okay. I'm going to let you all go because we have run up against our time limit for today. Thank you so much. If you have questions, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. And, of course, check us out online at vitalitynutrition.com. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair. our awesome music is by brian bob young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.